So, Matt, why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, re- I don't know. Because they're so good at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales (laughs) all right matt how you doing tonight brother well i'm doing okay how about you Oh, doing fine, I guess. Doing fine. It's uh, it's summer, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, hot. I'm sweating. Yeah, it is warm. I've got me, a, I've got um, me a cool beverage tonight. So if you hear hear ice tinkling, it's because it's hot, and I'm drinking it. Yeah, Matt's trying to keep his core temperature cooled off there, so he doesn't overheat. <laughs> My core is hot. It's like a, it's gonna have a nuclear meltdown. Hey, 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 hey! Family show. Family show. <laughs> Don't talk about your hot core. All right, so first we wanted to thank tonight's sponsors, Care Of and HERS. Both of them are great companies that we really enjoy working with and we really believe in what they're doing. So we'll talk more about them in a little bit. Um, So the next couple episodes are going to be slightly different than we normally do. How many times Um, do we say that? Dude, I think every episode is slightly different than every episode that we do on a normal basis because it's... I, we're always trying to do something weird and different. So, yeah, here lately it seems like we say it a lot. But yeah. the, hey, hey, that's good. That's good. You know, we change it up. We we'll keep it fresh. You know, yeah. That's the way we do it in the in the, the graveyard. <laughs> right. So, uh, what what we've done is we have asked our ladies to pick a topic. Um, so Ashley picked a topic for me, and Amanda picked a topic for Matt, and. We didn't know what the other one's topic was. Um, they didn't. They conversed with each other and they told each other what it was, but they didn't tell us. Yeah, so, they made sure we didn't get the same thing. Right, exactly. You gotta, you gotta make sure. Um, and, and we've done this. We've done this before, where Adam covered a topic and I covered a topic, and the other one didn't know. But we've done it in the same show. So this time, each one of us, we're, you're going to get an entire show researched by just one of us with the other one throwing in tidbits and you know little little anecdotes and stupid stuff (laughs) like i like to call it the color commentary commentary you know it's like the sportscaster that doesn't really know much about what's going on in the game but he likes to talk (laughs) yeah so he's like oh hey uh good sports ball game there jim uh uh but so that that's what we're doing uh, the next couple weeks. So this week is mine, and next week will be Matt's. So, Matt, are you ready to get into it? I'm ready. Lay it on me. All right. So tonight, the topic that Ashley has picked for me is the Devil's Backbone, oh. which is the most haunted stretch of Texas Highway. I was hoping to be superhumans. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're still waiting on that one. <laughs> How many shows have we done that we didn't do superhumans? Uh, it, at least 30. <laughs> we'll get there, Matt. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. So there's, you know, a lot of areas around the country and around the world, really, that people talk about having a haunted stretch of highway or, you know, you've got this haunted road in BFE somewhere that they say there's a, a hitchhiker on that can pick you up and all that. But it's not often that you find, you know, a, a really long stretch of highway that has multiple different things happening on it. And so when Ashley picked this one and I started looking into it, I was like, oh, yeah, this will be a good one. This is going to be a good episode. Now, I've heard of this, but I can't say that I've ever heard any real stories or legends about it. All right. But well, I've, I got I've heard the term the devil's backbone before. Okay. So, um, well, I, I couldn't get everything that there was about it because, like we've said before, then it would just turn into the Devil's Backbone podcast, and and we'd be doing this for like thirty episodes, you know. <laughs> um, make a spinoff show. Hey, that would be good. Uh, what the Graveyard Backbone? No, the Devil's Tales, the Devil's Graveyard. <laughs> Either one of those would work. The Devil's Tales. <laughs> Ah, and spell it wrong, T-A-I-L-S. Or with a Z. Ooh, T-A-L-E-Z. Everything's cool. Well, no, it's not the 90s anymore. It, not everything's cooler with a yeah. Z. Um, all right, so let's get into it a little bit here. Um, the whole highway and the region surrounding it are so permeated with the paranormal activity and everything, they have been studied by investigators for years and they even appeared on the hit show unsolved mysteries with robert stack in it. 1996 so robert stack did an uh an episode on the devil's backbone isn't it cool how robert stack sounds a little bit like sean connery yeah when <laughs> especially when i butcher That's it right. so. <laughs> <laughs> all right so texas farm roads 12, 165, 2325, and 32, along with U.S. Highway 281, form this big loop that connects the Wimberley area and the Blanco area of Texas. Now, this loop cuts through a very scenic portion of hill country there in Texas, and driving through it, you would imagine yourself in an old wild west movie like it's got that feel to it there's the the deserty hilly area and you can just picture wyatt earp riding up on a, a horse and shooting at you or something like that well this road passes right alongside a quote ominous ridge that spans 20 miles and it juts up 1255 feet in the landscape around it damn that is an um, ominous ridge <laughs> isn't it and see people say that texas doesn't have hills we got, <laughs> you got ominous ridges we have ominous ridges it's like we a, don't need hills it's like a like a really spicy bag of ruffles <laughs> ominous ridges <laughs> yeah ruffles now with ominous ridges and 
it, this is the area that is named the devil's backbone. Um, it's also known as Diablo Espinosa or Spiny Devil. And so it it lends that nickname to the road that runs by it, which is the Devil's Backbone Highway. Now, the path of Highway 32 used to be a cattle trail, and the ridge itself was this long, like, mystic place that was used in the old days by native tribes of the region for rituals and as a lookout point that would look out over the rough terrain there for incoming enemies and bloody skirmishes were a common sight around that area at one point in time in history. So the area has quite a bloody history to it. It's this bloody history that it has, you know, uh, with the violence and the bloodshed and everything that gives this scenic route there in Texas, this almost tangible negative energy. Like people say they can feel negativity when they drive down certain parts of this this highway and probably like we've talked before it has a lot to do with the stone tape theory where the earth is soaking up that negative energy and with a lot of bloodshed in that area it's going to cause that so yeah you've heard us talk about this many times in the past you know when when negative things happen you know the the earth will hang on to that energy, especially when it involves death and bloodshed. And so, right. you know, even if we're talking about a stretch of highway, um, which is, you know, bigger than, you know, somebody's house or, you know, maybe even a, a cave that's haunted. Um, but, it, but it's still, I mean, it, you know, the, the earth has energy and the earth takes energy and, you know, we know energy is not created or destroyed, so it's got to go somewhere. And if if it's enough negative energy, then the theory is it'll replay itself. Exactly. And, you know, just on the, the simple thought of, I've said this before, that the road has a memory. Because if you think about like an accident that happens on the interstate, it's going to back up the interstate even hours after it's clear because people stopping to rubberneck and everything. There's, there's always that backup right there. and. You can take this in the more grandiose scheme of, you know, all the terrible things that have happened. The road does have a memory, and this area seems to have a memory itself. Tim, I mean, there there are probably, well, I'm not even going to hazard a guess, a lot of haunted stretches of road road across the United States, and I'm really interested to hear what. Uh, what some of the stories are about this particular stretch that would give it give it the name the devil's backbone i know i know up here there's a a, a little stretch of um, of road that's up in the hills that's called the devil's elbow because it's it's going downhill and the turn is really sharp and oh, people yeah, have had yeah. a tendency to not make that turn and just go right off the edge mm-hmm so, and I'm sure it's not the only devil's elbow, you know. Probably not. I mean. Come the, up with a new body part. This is. Right. The, the devil's gluteal cleft. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not the the gluteus maximus or anything along those lines. Um, 
But hey, smells you bad, know, we, a little humid. <laughs> yeah, we haven't explored all of the the regions of the United States. There may be a devil's gluteus maximus with a cave in it that's called the devil's cave. The or devil's something, you know. big toe. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get there, Matt. We've got hundreds and hundreds of episodes more to do. We will right. investigate the devil's gluteus maximus at some point. I guarantee it. Yep. So this area again has long been known as ground zero for mysterious accidents disappearances and a lot of ghostly phenomena and some of these research and these i noticed they were not like some of the other ones that i've heard before um obviously you get some of the same ones you get the the weird hitchhikers and stuff like that but i tried not to get those kind of stories that we've heard before um i wanted to get some different ones and i found a couple good sources for these that i'm going to be uh, reading from and talking about because they seem to be the most in-depth well there there are a lot of people who believe uh, that this area is super haunted and there's reports of strange events that have come out of there for probably the past hundred years at least. Now, most of these stories take place in the heavily wooded areas of the backbone, places where it's, you know, the sun doesn't really reach to the bottom of the valleys and where you get this sense of being alone and totally cut off from the world that's outside. So it, the natural topography of the place kind of brings that feeling to you even before this happens. So, the area is made up of mostly ranches and hunting cabins. And a lot of the stories come from these hunting cabins and, and these ranches. Now, one of the most popular stories that's been told by numerous people is the sound of phantom horses. Now the hooves of which are heard thundering down trails in the devil's backbone area. Most say that these sounds could be the remnants of the Confederate soldiers who mustered at the forts in the area prior to heading out at the start of the Civil War. Now, one notable sighting was made by a man named Lynn Gentry, and he was foreman at the ranch of the local resident Burt Wall at the time. Now, we'll, we'll touch on Burt Wall a couple more times in this because he plays a big part. But Gentry claimed that one night he was jolted awake by the loud rumbling of what sounded like a whole herd of horses passing through the night outside. Now, when he looked outside, he claimed that he could see at least 20 men on horseback, all of whom seemed to be dressed in vintage Confederate uniforms. Now, the roar of the horses got almost deafening until it all just suddenly stopped which brought a heavy silence crashing down in its wake. If y'all if y'all hear if y'all hear that that is not the um that is not the rumbling of horses. That is a helicopter going over. It. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're looking like, for you, man. He's sitting here talking about this rumbling of horses and I'm hearing this I'm like, "What in the world is going on?" It it's, I have, it's a chopper. I have conjured the horses for you. <laughs> Um, but we don't normally get stories of phantom horses. 
No, we know, don't we, hear a lot of phantom horse stories. No. It it so hearing that and and I read that in several different accounts that you know that that's a widespread thing in that area is the phantom horses, the phantom hoof beats that you hear. So I thought that was pretty cool. Sounds like something from Scooby Doo. <laughs> right? You know, the 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 haunted carriage that comes rumbling through town. Um you know, there there have been a few stories of things like that, like a haunted carriage where it'll rocket through the middle of the town and there won't be anything there, but they you know, it sounds like a, a horse and carriage that's rushing through the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but those kind of stories are really cool because they're they're not typical. They're yeah. they're not what you usually hear. And you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear that on, on a stretch of highway, but you know, if the, that highway is old enough, you know, I'm sure it was it was a trail for transport, you know, soldiers, goods, whatever, Pony Express, you know, right, exactly. whatever. And in having a an apparition of an animal is not common. We hear it sometimes, but it's not common. And most of the time when we hear something like that, it's a dog or a cat. Right. You know, it's canid or it's feline or something it's very rare to get something outside of those two species so it's cool to have a horse apparition yeah you don't um you don't hear too many uh ghost fish stories no which i'm looking forward to it unless you're talking to me and i'm telling you about this fish that i caught that you can't see right then that's a ghost fish (laughs) Right, it was, it was 150 pounds. Big. It took me 30 <laughs> minutes to reel it in. Uh, why don't you have a picture of it? Oh, it uh, it was an apparition it was of a, a fish. Ghost of a um, fish. I caught a ghost I, fish. When I got it up to the boat, it it went ethereal on me all of a sudden. <laughs> it vanished. Must have yeah. been a mermaid. Like a Bigfoot fish. It got blurry in the photo for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I laid it on the cooler to measure it and it was gone. Yeah, weird. <laughs> you just sound like half of my family when I go fishing. <laughs> okay, Matt, so let's talk about hers. Now, getting birth control is a hassle, and it takes a lot of time to go to your doctor's office and to receive the new pack on time. And you have to make several phone calls just to find out why your insurance is no longer paying for it. And that's pretty crazy. Your birth control should be delivered to you when you need it, where you need it, with no judgment, and with your physician available to answer any questions that you might have. Yeah, there's no need to take travel time out of your already busy day. For HERS provides access to licensed doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe you birth control that can be delivered direct to your door. For hers puts the purchasing power back in your hands, bundling all the costs of receiving your birth control into one low price and without the need for insurance. Right, and our listeners can get their first month of birth control from forhers.com for just five dollars while supplies last and subject to your doctor's approval and all you've got to do is go to forhers.com graveyard 
That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash graveyard. That's right. To receive your first month of birth control from forhers.com for just $5, go to forhers.com slash graveyard. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash graveyard. Prior to the arrival of the first Spanish settlers in Texas, the that area of land was inhabited by a, a lot of Native American tribes. And it was the much-feared Comanche who controlled the Texas Hill Country up until probably the 1860s. Well, the Comanche were fierce warriors who had long defeated tribes such as the Kiowa, the Caddo, and the Apache, to become the masters of that area. Well, many of the ghostly tales from the Devil's Backbone area involve encounters with Native American spirits, which are likely those of the Comanche people that used to live there. One tale that's told several times is a hunter who had just climbed down from his tree stand at dusk and was walking back to his hunting cabin. Now, while he was walking along the trail, he sensed that he was not alone. And he looked to his side, and when he did, he saw a dark-skinned, shirtless man less than 10 yards from him. The man was wearing buckskin breeches and wore the war paint of a Comanche brave. So there you go. Yeah. So there have been Comanche sightings there. Yeah, and and Native American spirits in areas like this are are not that uncommon. I, I know mm-hmm. we we discussed one back when we were talking about the Bridgewater Triangle that there was a a, a common reoccurring story about a Native American spirit that was there almost as a guardian. Right, and that's curious too. And you know. This would be a huge tangent to start down, so we'll just touch on it. But a lot of people will will believe that Native American spirits will guard Native American burial grounds. Mm-hmm. And they're not there to to harm you. They're there to dissuade you from coming into that area because it's sacred ground. Right, right, right. And so, you know, those those kind of stories, especially especially out west, you know, in, in West Texas and in New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada, you'll hear more of more stories very similar to that. Mm hmm. And, and you're right. A lot of the a lot of the stories you hear of Native American spirits aren't malicious. They're not. I was attacked by or. I was scared, you know, it it came rushing at me or whatever. Most of the time when you have a Native American spirit, it's standing, it's looking, it it seems to be in a reverent pose of some sort. Um, You know, unless we talk about skinwalkers, and that's a whole nother thing that we don't need to get into because, again, a a five-mile-long tangent if we did that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it is more of like you said a guarding a you know a warning basically 
you know, don't mess with this area because this is sacred to us. Right. Well, on that note, the Comanche were very spiritual people and they had a connection to the land and the animals that shared that land with them. Now, one of the animals that was prominent in their beliefs was the wolf. And it represented a stoic fierceness that Comanche warriors held dear and wanted to strive to be like. So there have been many sightings of a ghostly Native American herding what they have quoted as wraith cattle in the vicinity. Um, And it's this apparition is so well known that they have nicknamed him Drago. So you've got a, it reminds me of that, uh, ghost riders in the sky (laughs) song. Yeah. Um, because it's a, it's a native American that was herding wraith cattle. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really cool story. Cool song too. Yeah. But, um, especially the Johnny Cash version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Back to that rancher, Burt Wall, that we were talking about. Um, he was also a author who wrote eight books that chronicled all the weird phenomena in the backbone area, and he was working on a ninth right before his death in 2010. Um, he lived in the Devil's Backbone area for over 30 years, and he's had his own ghostly encounters in that time. And has, as he explained, he once heard his dog barking and looked outside to see a ghostly monk-type apparition dressed in what he described as 1700s clothing, which vanished right before his eyes. Now, Wall claimed that it was most likely the spirit of a Franciscan monk who once lived in the area by the name of Espinosa. So, I guess on his property, he found records of a Franciscan monk that lived there, and he has seen the apparition of it. Yeah, and there were a lot of Spanish monks that that lived in that area. There were monasteries, and there were safe havens and way stations for travelers, you know, where they could, they could stop, they could get something to eat, they could get medical attention if they needed it, take a bath water their right. horses, those kind of things. And, and those areas were typically run by Spanish monks. Right. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities for there to be an apparition of a Spanish monk there. Right. Well, Wall has also spoken of a friend of his son's by the name of John Villarreal. And he was out hiking with some friends when he had a frightening vision of a wolf jumping out at him. So he and two friends were hiking one day when John became separated from the others. Now, as he walked, he came upon a wolf and animals like that aren't found in the area much. Now Um, they've been hunted to extinction or moved out of that area. Well, as John froze with both fear and curiosity, the wolf charged him. As the wolf quickly approached his position, the man was certain that he was going to be devoured, you know, killed and devoured by this charging wolf. 
But the predator leapt at him, and instead of taking him down, John felt the animal pass right through him. Now, when the three friends were reunited, he told the story to everybody, but, you know, unsurprisingly, his two friends really didn't believe his story. Well, they returned to their cabin, and John began exhibiting strange behavior. He started speaking in a low, guttural tone and talking about Indian massacres. Wall has said of that incident, quote, he was totally out of it, ranting in a language that sounded like a mix of Spanish and Apache. Well, as he became more agitated and his friends became more concerned, a strong gust of wind suddenly blew open the back door of the cabin. Now, after a few moments, the wind died down and the man returned to normal, but wasn't able to explain his behavior. And according to Wall, possessions like that are not rare in the area, and they almost always involve the presence of a ghostly wolf jumping into the victim. Now, see, that makes me think, is it, is it a, a ghostly wolf or is it skinwalker-ish? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, that, I think it could fit either one, and I've, I've not really heard any stories about a ghostly wolf possessing a human being. Or anything else for that matter. But it it does kind of sound similar to some of the Skinwalker stories that we've discussed on the show before. Right. And, you know, it again, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to have a Skinwalker-type spirit in that area. Because the Native American tribes in that area would have believed in the Skinwalker. Sure. Absolutely. So... And we have reports of, you know, it's not just the Skinwalker Ranch area that has Skinwalkers. There are reports of Skinwalkers all over the United States. Right. And it's interesting that it happens along a stretch of highway in that in that area, because if you really start digging into to actual stories of possible Skinwalker sightings, you'll hear a, a very frequent account that involves someone in a car with what appears to be some type of animal that is able to keep up with the car going down the highway. You know, here you're you're traveling down this highway at 60 miles an hour and you look out the window and what looks like a, a wolf type creature is keeping pace with you. Right, right, right. Now, I don't know how fast wolves are. But I know they can't run 60 miles an hour. No, probably so 30. That, if it's true, that makes you think, well, it's it's something spectral for sure. You know, yeah. there, there's there's no no living creature that's going to keep up with a car going 60 miles an hour. No, and and I'm glad you made that tie in because I was I had that in in my mind, too, and I had forgot about it, um, that there are. A, a, a lot of stories of people driving down the interstate and not just skinwalker. But if you look at reports of dogmen, like mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of, yeah, you know, sure. you read any books by Linda Godfrey and you get stories of there being dogmen or canid apparitions of some sort next to a highway or a long stretch of road out in the country. So this ties into a lot of other 
things like that. But like you said, not really heard many reports of a wolf or canid possessing anybody. Yeah, haven't heard that before. No, so it's a little bit different. Well, there was a deer hunter named John Mears, and he was waiting in his tree stand when he heard the crunching of rocks, kind of like someone was pacing down below the tree where he was sitting. Well, this intruder didn't respond to any of his calls to identify himself. He just kept circling the tree for several minutes, and Mears kept wondering who it could be out in the middle of nowhere. Because if you know anything about deer hunting, you don't set up a deer blind anywhere near people. Right. You know, <laughs> that's bad. It, that's bad news. Right. You're you're setting it up way out because you don't you don't want to be near people and accidentally shoot somebody or anything like that. Yeah, you don't want some dude over there rutting in the woods and you're like, that's a deer. Bam. Right. Five point <laughs> buck. Oh wait, no, it was just Uh-oh. my buddy buck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my buddy buck. <laughs> <laughs> I told him not to buy that hat. Yeah, stupid (laughs) antler hat, and he's wearing a fur coat out in the middle of the woods. Dummy. (laughs) Well, finally, Mears would decide to go down and investigate. And when he did, he found that not only was there not anyone there, but there also weren't any footprints or any sign that anyone had been walking around the tree at all. Now... He walked a bit out from the tree, and he was scanning the area for anyone that could be there. And when he found no one in the area, he looked back and saw this old Native American man standing still next to the tree. He was looking out at mirrors and just staring at him. Well... He was a a little bit unnerved, to say the least, at this point. So, yeah, I would be, too. I'm Um, I'm unnerved just hearing it. Right? (laughs) So, Mears decided to call it quits at that point and head back home, which I would have, too. But the Native American man purportedly followed him for a long time before he just finally blinked out of existence into thin air. So Mears is walking, trying to get out of there and get away from this apparition. And as he's looking back over his shoulder, he keeps seeing this Native American man keeping pace with him. When all of a sudden he's looking at him and he just goes, Poo, and is gone. So he knows it wasn't just a person because I don't know of a person that can just go and be out of existence. Well, I can. I don't do it very often, though. Well, you've never shown it to me, and I'm no. going to need you to prove it. Now. I keep it under wraps, you know. Yeah. But well, you've just let the cat out of the bag now, Matt. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't do it. It's not like a party trick, you know. I don't just do it for anybody. <laughs> but, you know, hunters, again, they, they, don't, they don't mistake stuff in the woods. You know, if, they, if he saw what he thought was a Native American, then... If he's being truthful, I believe that he saw what he saw. Right. You know, he's not going to see another animal and be and mistake that for a Native American standing out there. I mean, no. you know, they're, most hunters don't hunt in places that they're unfamiliar with, especially if they're alone. 
Right, right. Uh, you know, so the, they're going to be very knowledgeable of what's around there. If they see something like that, you know, that's going to put them on alert. And it's going to make them want to know what it is. Sure. And, and, you know, so I'm thinking, you know, if a hunter tells tells a story that says, look, this is what I saw out in the woods. I have a tendency to believe that he saw something. You know, yeah. that that he couldn't explain and he's going to pretty much know what should be out there. Um, you know, so if something that shouldn't be out there or wouldn't normally be out there is there, he's going to say, hey, that's something that shouldn't be here. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you've got to know your area if you're going to hunt it because you got to know what you can shoot and what you can't shoot. So, right. Right. Well, there's other assorted hauntings in that area and. They include a phantom that apparently jumps onto the roofs of passing cars on the road. Um, Obviously, the ghostly hitchhikers that we've talked about and shadow people that follow hikers in the area. So if you're hiking in that area, be aware you may get followed by a shadow person. Yeah, Um, or a Wendigo or a skinwalker. Yeah, I mean, at this point. Uh, Yeah, all bets are off. Anything could be out. out there. You know, people have had all kinds of strange sightings out there. Anything goes at this point. Right. You know, if if we've talked about something that's got a a Native American tie in, then this would be the place to go to see if you could see it. (laughs) Right. Care of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You take a short quiz and answer questions about your diet, lifestyle, fitness, and health goals, and Care-of puts together a personalized plan just for you. And with summer in full swing, you need to make health and wellness a priority again. Care-of makes it easy to upgrade your healthy routine. You give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain a, a level of unstressfulness in your life or something else to help you feel your healthiest you know adam it can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking that's true but care of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest depending on your personalized care of plan you'll get daily vitamin packs and or protein powder sent right to your door it's so cute and customized the packets even say your name on them, and they have little quotes of the day on them, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And you can modify your script, your subscription at any time when your needs or preferences change. For 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter GRAVE. That's G-R-A-V-E. That's right. It's 25% off your first care of order. And all you got to do is go to takecareof.com and enter the code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E. Um, there's also a spectral woman and child who are believed to be the family of a lost minor. Um, now, Jackie Milligan, who is co-founder of Texas Paranormal Events, has investigated the area. And one of the places she looked into was this supposedly haunted ranch where they encountered the lurking presence of a little girl. Now, the team managed to contact this 
little girl through EVP recordings. And Milligan said about that case, she said, quote, one family called us because their youngest son was talking to someone. They thought it was cute and an imaginary friend until he told them she was a little girl with a hole in her head. Now, she says it was funny because the cat would act like someone was playing with him when no one was. I was asking questions about the cat, and one EVP had the little voice saying yes when I asked if she liked playing with the cat. (laughs) Dang ghost kids, man. I'm telling you, and and ghost kids that are lurking, they're they're the worst. (laughs) Lurking ghost children. Lurking ghost kids, man. That, that's almost as bad as black-eyed kids. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, when you become a, a, a kid ghost. You, you think you still have to go to school? I, I doubt it, but it's possible. <laughs> you have I mean, to go to lurking can, class. Yeah, lurking you. <laughs> going to go L-U. Uh, yeah, lurking 101. You know, how to lurk. <laughs> it, the... The handbook for the recently deceased just (laughs) popped into my head. Lurking around humans. (laughs) Chapter four. (laughs) So we've talked about the open areas and, and all that. Well, there's a building there that's been there for a long time that has had a lot of activity that we need to talk about. And that's the Devil's Backbone Tavern. Now, it was built on the site of an ancient Indian campground. And it's widely believed that this place is super haunted. Well, an entire civil war battle is said to have occurred on the devil's backbone limestone Ridge. And a man named Robert Kelly, who is a tavern regular said, Oh, there are ghosts. I guarantee blank T you. <laughs> um, he said he sometimes sees shadowy figures up on, a steep nearby ridge to this tavern. Well, the Devil's Backbone Tavern is situated on one of the most picturesque spots along this area, and it has a history that dates back to the late 1890s when the first stone room on that property was built for a blacksmith shop and a stagecoach stop at the base of this treacherous trail well after prohibition the sale of alcoholic beverages became licensed in the early night in early 1936 and since hayes county was dry with no means to purchase alcohol the tavern was built next to the old blacksmith shop which was just past the county line this was in 1937 now in the 1950s a service station and package store building were added And shortly after that, there was a dance hall that was constructed, which is still there. You can go see all this. Well, the venue became an attraction for anything you needed, you know, cold beer, tire change, or a butt whooping with the local uh, touring bands in that area. Or or just just a line dance. Just a line (laughs) dance. I mean, go out there and get your tire changed, a butt whoop. A butt whooping and have a line dance, you know? <laughs> I've been on the road a hundred miles and I need to do the whatever, yeah. you know, the achy breaking. <laughs> I came here Stupid. for some came here for some line dancing and butt whooping and I've all out of butts to whoop. <laughs> That's all I got, sorry. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
It'd been funnier if I'd actually known the name of a line dance. <laughs> would it have been, though? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it, it would have just come out smoother. <laughs> yeah, it would have just been a smoother transition. See, that's why we say we don't write these jokes, folks. We just come up with them on the fly. You know, yeah, it, some of them are terrible. Them, they'd be worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If we tried, if we tried to do it, it'd be awful. <laughs> like, it would be like these guys the think they're up. funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. The worst stand up you've ever heard. Just that would be us. So uh, what about bags? Uh, you like paper bags? The weird thing about paper bag. I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> there was an article written uh, by Jillian Bliss for reportingtexas.org. Now, she says the TVs in the tavern will turn off and on and switch channels on their own sometimes. Um, and this is according to Melanie Walker, who's a bartender at the Devil's Backbone Tavern. Um, she says, I guess whoever is doing it just wants to watch TV or doesn't like what we're watching. So at least she's got a good sense of humor about it. Now, if I'm drinking at the Devil's Backbone Tavern, I, I'm expecting something to happen. You know, I, I'm, I'm expecting to see some TVs turning on and off and changing channels. I'm expecting to see some drinks falling off tables and, and the jukebox playing by itself. You know, I, I'm expecting to see an old country boy um, playing a fiddle uh, against a guy in a red suit with horns. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting to see some stuff if I'm drinking at the Devil's Backbone Tavern. I'm telling right. you. Well, and you'll probably <laughs> get that if you're there. Because there is a sign on the tavern's mantle that says, quote, ghost warning. If doors and windows open and close by themselves, just ignore it. It's just our ghost trying to get attention. He thinks it's funny. <laughs> Knock it off, Fred. Yeah, exactly. Fred, <laughs> we're trying to drink. Quit turning the lights on and off. We're not air conditioning the whole neighborhood. <laughs> right. Were you born in a barn? Well, you probably were. Never mind. So... There's a stone that's part of the fireplace, and it's shaped like the devil's face. It looks across the bar from just above the hearth and is said to eavesdrop on conversations. Now, Walker says, we get a lot of tourists that come in here because of Burt Wall's books and the articles and the media. She says they'll type in haunted bars on the Internet and see us and come out. She says, we get a lot of college kids who hear about it and are looking for something to do. So Matt and I would end up being those people that <laughs> type in haunted bars and just show up. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to go out drinking. Where do we want to go? Find a haunted one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go there. So there was nothing a like a little, a little, a few spirits with your spirits. <laughs> ah, brunch. So there was a guy that wrote uh, a lot of stories about it named Robert Kelly, and his picture hangs on the tavern wall next to pictures of other departed customers. Now, Kelly was known to have an attitude, and perhaps he still does, because the story goes that twice his picture fell and hit his former girlfriend in the head as she told unfavorable tales about him. Now, I, I want that to happen if, mm -hmm. if i if when i when i die i want a picture of me somewhere 
that will fall on the head of somebody that I didn't get along with in life. Right. I, then I, I would feel I would feel justified. <laughs> right. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, can you imagine some guy standing there and all of a sudden my picture lands on his head? They were like, Matt never liked you. <laughs> yeah. He never liked you, man. <laughs> he, he didn't tell you this when he was alive, but he was, he was never a big fan of you and. He feels he's got nothing to lose That's now, right. so he's going to throw his there, face at you. Guys in there rubbing his head, going, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't uh, don't sit under that signed baseball bat that Matt signed. <laughs> um, stay away from that. Well, Walker says that uh, her ex-husband once came back from a hunt on a ranch alongside the backbone area, and he said he would never return. He had apparently been frightened by the sound of, yet again, at least 50 thundering thundering hooves and by the apparition of a Confederate cavalry troop that accompanied the sound. So again, we have a, a throwback to the thundering hooves and cavalry troops and everything that this guy apparently wasn't going to go hunting again after that. Yeah, no. No, I'd be, I'm out. Right? You know? In my <laughs> hunting spot, I'm trying to get a dove, and all of a sudden I've got a cavalry coming at me. Can you imagine sitting there for the first time with some local guy, and you hear all that thundering hooves and everything, and it's always like, hey, is that a storm rolling in? Oh, no, no, it's just ghost horses coming by. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> ghost Wait, what? what? I'm out, man. I'm out. I'm done. Well, Wall and Betty used to meet at the tavern, and the ghost horses came up one time and said, I got to thinking about a story that Bert wrote about the wild horses, Betty says. I told him what happened, and he told me that from over here to a campsite in Blanco, they hear horses from time to time, about 50 of them usually. He said, the only thing it could be is Confederate soldiers riding through. I mean, well, I'm not going to say that's the only that's thing. That's the it could only be, thing. <laughs> there's probably other things that it could be. But how, and how do they know it's about 50? That's a good question. Do you just know, you know, by the sound of it? Yeah, it sounds like about mm, 50. Yeah, yeah that I, sounds like 50. I guess I've never been around enough horses to be able to estimate what a herd, you know, the number of the herd is, but... It's got to be just a wild guess. I think I'd just be listening going, that sounds like uh, a lot. It's yeah, that's a it's, butt ton. It's more uh, more than a few horses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking on a scale of, you know, two to five to a butt ton, that's probably a butt yeah. ton, I'm just going to say. So I'm going to end this with a quote by Walker, who she says this was the only time that she was ever truly scared. She says, I was closing up all alone one night at the Devil's Backbone Tavern when it was raining. I was the only one here, but when I went to go out the back door, I heard something. I looked, and I saw two wet footprints, but there was no one else around. Mm. So you're all alone in the tavern, and you hear a noise, and then all of a sudden, two wet footprints appear that would scare me too yeah yeah just 
Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Again, it's a, a Scooby-Doo type thing. Then the jukebox kicks on and... <laughs> Yeah, and then I go, <laughs> bing, and I'm out the door. Now there's, there's two wet footprints line dancing. <laughs> yeah, there's two wet footprints and a big wet spot in the floor. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, that those were some of the most interesting stories and stuff that I could find from the Devil's Backbone area. Um, you can go research it more on your own, because there's a lot of stories and everything that happened, but... You know, you run across a lot of the the same thing that you hear in other areas of the hitchhikers and all that. And I didn't want to just reiterate some things that we have heard before. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a lot of listeners in Texas. And I bet I, I bet for uh, for Texas natives, they've heard uh, plenty of stories about this place. So uh, oh, I'm sure. So if you've if you've got them, please share them. We'd, we'd love to hear some of these stories. I mean, you guys do such a fantastic job sharing your personal stories or those stories that you grew up hearing your grandparents tell you about some place around where you where you live that was haunted or some weird thing so yeah if, you, if you've got stories about the devil's backbone let us hear them you know we we'd love to we'd love to hear the ones that you can't just google you know right. that that you're not gonna you're not gonna pick up with an easy uh you know web search yeah, you know. the personal stories are always much better yeah, than absolutely. what you can find in books and stuff like that. Absolutely. So hit us up with those stories. Uh, email us, Twitter, Facebook. You can even drop us a message on the website because we've got a little note section that'll send it right to us. Yeah, and our website is graveyardpodcast.com. Now, on the website, like Adam said, you can leave us a note, send us a message. Uh, you can see uh, pictures of adam's ugly mug and myself (laughs) um you can learn more about graveyard tales you can find links to listen to the show links to buy our merchandise and links to become a patron and we always like to thank everyone that has donated to the show um go check us out on itunes and rate and review if you've got a friend or a family member that's new to the show tell them hey Go and leave them a rating and a review on iTunes because that gets them up the rankings and it allows more people to find us easier and brings them into the graveyard. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, HERS and Careof. Uh, Thank you so much for supporting the show. Great companies to work with. Please go check them out. Now, until next week, when you hear the stories that Amanda picked out for me to research... (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. We will save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.